welcome to the Enthusiast Club podcast. I'm RJ White. Each episode is a conversation with members of the club about things that interest them a great deal. So this one, it was recorded a few weeks ago before uh, things really, really, really started to change across the entire globe. Now, you're likely spending a whole lot more time at home these days, maybe looking to catch up on long-running television shows you may have missed. This is a good time, then, to hear from writers Jennifer Wright and Daniel Kibblesmith of our New York City chapter about their enthusiasm for Law & Order Special Victims Unit. Well, let's start out with, like, the basics, then. Uh, For folks who may not have heard about this show in the last two-plus decades, what is Law & Order uh, Special Victims Unit, or SVU, as it's sometimes known. How would you how would you uh, summarize it or explain it to someone who is not familiar with it? Well, Olivia Benson leads a team of detectives who investigate cases of rape, harassment, and assault. Well, I think the the opening the opening titles do a great job, right? It's in the criminal justice system. system. Uh, crimes of a sexual nature. You're considered be, especially heinous. Especially heinous, something like that. Yeah. Uh, the dedicated detectives who investigate these special felonies are a member of an elite squad known as the Special Victims Unit. <laughs> right. So we're not going to top that. That's yeah. That's how. Yeah. But it's a really it's a really interesting little moment for every show to start off with because what it does is it tells you that this is a spinoff. Like it, I think it harkens to a larger universe. Um, it reminds me a little bit of the way Star Trek: The Next Generation opens. <laughs> Yeah. Yes, actually, it kind of does a little bit. You're right. Oh, my gosh. Yeah. I think it's kind of comparable. It, it, del- it does a little bit of storytelling up top to say, like, okay, this is part of something bigger, but this one has a focus. <laughs> that, that's an odd thing, because this has been the last one standing of this thing that was a huge, huge deal for a very long time. You had the original Law & Order, you had uh, Criminal Intent, you had... Um, the one with B.B. Newworth, I can't quite remember what that was about. It was on the like, oh, season, yeah. Oh, I forgot that existed. Me too, yeah. Well, I think it, it was uh, Oliver Platt in that one, too. I can't remember. But anyway, yeah, there was that. There were like, uh, several uh, franchises off of this initial thing. And yet, this is the last one standing 21 seasons in, which just amazes me. It's one of those shows where you don't realize either that it's still on or that it's been on this long, like Jag or Reba or According to Jim or something like that, where you just kind of, you see an ad for it somewhere like, oh, that oh they're still doing that? And it's like in its 35th year or something like that. And it's just shocking. It's, yeah, it's like uh, Sprite. You know, it's just, there's, yeah. there's never been, <laughs> there's never been a time without it and you can have it anytime you want. <laughs> Well, I think Law and Order SVU is kind of a special case, too, because I think the culture rose up to meet Law and Order SVU. Um, in the past decade, we've gotten a lot more concerned about crimes that involve rape or sex. Just today, Harvey Weinstein was uh, found guilty of being a rapist. And I think as the show went on, the culture became a little bit more interested in what constitutes sexual harassment. Uh can you assault women and still get to be on the Supreme Court? Um, what do Hollywood producers do? It's um, it's really a show that's lent its, itself to so many of the stories that have been in the news in the past 
four or five years. Which has always been a thing with Law and Order, but I think that they were really limited to murder. Yeah. Very few people come back from being murdered. Murdered, yeah. Well, <laughs> Almost the, nobody. <laughs> the original Law and Order, I, I don't want to shit talk the original Law and Order, but it's kind of boring. A lot of it is just like negotiations between lawyers in the courtroom. It's more boring. It's yeah. a product of another era. And then uh, they did Criminal Intent and they decided, okay, now we're doing Sherlock Holmes with a lot of murder. Uh, Vincent D'Onofrio plays Bobby Gorin, who is a very Sherlock type How character. do you know this off the top of your head? I, I love Oh, it. no, why wouldn't you? It, it's a wonderful show. It's a wonderful series. Yes. And then Jeff Goldblum, kind of a man who should always be playing Sherlock Holmes, had to step in and take over the Vincent D'Onofrio role for one season. I haven't seen the uh, Jeff Goldblum once because uh, uh, my wife, my wife, Laura, she's a huge fan of, of uh, D'Onofrio. So I've seen quite a bit of criminal intent, uh, but we, we stopped watching kind of around that thing where it got kind of weird about that, where, uh, D'Onofrio started just wearing more t-shirts or whatever it was for a while yeah, there. Yeah. And, and, yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So he's got to stop watching all that, so I didn't see any of the uh, Goldblum stuff. I just know he played the piano a few times, which seemed kind of neat. He does. There's a whole episode about how he can play the piano. So I think you've tapped into something really interesting, though, because the original Law & Order franchise is very much of its time, and it's kind of a, you know, it's a true procedural uh, people, it really is divided half and half law and order, whereas SVU is just kind of a blob. Like, they, yeah. they bounce around a lot in SVU, <laughs> where sometimes it'll be all in the courtroom, sometimes it'll be not at all in the courtroom. Right. And then in between that, you've got the rise, sort of like the, the second modern wave of the eccentric detective shows. Right. You get, like, Monk and stuff. Yes, no, and I feel like there were so many other shows that were like that. I mean, look, there's pretty much no question in my mind that Sherlock on BBC was a better show than Criminal Intent. Um, yeah. at, at least for the first season. Yeah, at least sure. for the first two seasons. <laughs> then, it, then it got weird. Yeah. I think Doctor Who is the same show now. I think Sherlock and Doctor <laughs> Who just trade off episodes like Mario and Zelda. <laughs> but there was a lot of competition for that criminal mind slot that was just based around a brilliant eccentric detective. And there was never really any competition for the SVU slot. There aren't a lot of other shows where a female detective investigates sexual crimes. Yeah, I totally agree with you. I think that it's, it's Law & Order SVU, to me, is defined by having its cake and eating its too, because it has all of the lifetime movie sort of dramatic murdery uh, uh, sex, sexual assaults. Yeah, Mariska Hargaday plays like a strong mom who's not going to let the man who did this get away with it, but her daughter is every woman. Right. And at the same time, it has all of the it's perfect for especially older audiences on network TV. It has all of the sort of safe titillation that comes with these sex crimes and how frequently it lends them to be in strip clubs or to talk to dominatrixes. Uh, recently, they had uh, the DA, I guess, was an ex-baseball player, and he was just in a threesome for no reason, like a broadcast TV, like, safe lingerie threesome. Daniel's, uh, Daniel's obsessed with this specific scene. Um, it's so good. Where... It's like something out of Game of Thrones, except the women have their clothes on. Right. He's just like taking a telephone call, but also he's having a threesome. It's somewhere between. And that, that was just in a scene? Like that didn't have anything to do with the plot or what? No. It's opening scene. I think he was supposed to be sad. I think that's what we were supposed to get out of it. Is that how right. men do sad? Right. So he yeah. was he was spiraling. <laughs> so I think that we always, 
I often refer to the the Andy Daly uh, character where he plays the really depraved Broadway producer and his. Oh yes, Don DeBello. Yes, exactly. It is and Law and Order SVU found a way to uh, get Mom in with the Lifetime movie energy while always giving something for Daddy. <laughs> oh, God. With this really like kind of unapologetically creepy show that absolutely absolutely shames you for trying to judge it because the crimes are so serious <laughs> and and often parallel real life victims well at the same time it's very trashy okay but here's the thing i actually okay i do not believe law and order is necessarily what you can call a good show um, I don't really believe that any show where, like, the murderous clowns are in the car, but they didn't do it because her stepfather, who's also her music teacher, is the real rapist. Right. I saw that one. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> that, um, that one is, as they often are, that one is all left turns. The murder clown episode is maybe my favorite weird Law & Order episode ever. Um, but I also feel like what Law & Order SVU is trying to do is good. I think that no matter what, Liv is always on the side of the victims. Um, even if it seems like this woman is probably making it up in the beginning, they take her story totally seriously. To some extent, I think it is a female fantasy of what you wish the justice system would be like if you went and reported a rape. Because it I mean, I think if you know any women that have been assaulted, you know that it is not like that. Um, a lot of officers will treat you with an enormous amount of skepticism. And I think it's also a show that has taught people how they re should respond to women who come forward and say that they've been assaulted. I think you know that you don't want to be like the bad cop on Law & Order SVU who's like, yeah, lady, you're probably making it up. Yeah. Um, periodically they hold up those people just to be like momentary villains. So while I can't say that it has raised awareness, maybe in the way that Watchmen raised awareness of the Tulsa massacre, the stories they tell on Law and Order teach you to sympathize with victims. And I think if you get that message out every week to people who live in Arizona or some other uh, deep red state, Maybe you can change the world a little bit in some some small way to make people more sympathetic. Yeah. Have you been watching it from the beginning or not? Because, I mean, this thing, uh, if a child was born when this show started, uh, they would be able to drink and rent a car by now. <laughs> yeah. yeah. So that, just to think of the, the, the breadth of this program... When did you when did you folks uh, actually start watching this? Different times or together? Or? I started watching it when I was a teenager. Different, uh, different times. times yeah. Okay, like about uh, about what year? About what year? It's gonna make me feel old, but about what year? I don't know. Um, like when I was, uh, I think when I was in high school, so it would have been like around two thousand two, two thousand three. Yeah, another yeah, decade ago. Yeah, I w would have I would have seen random episodes. <laughs> Uh, when it started airing, but I didn't watch it with any kind of appreciation until you and I were together, Jen, uh, because uh, that's when the marathon phenomenon happened, exactly, which I think is yeah. really important to, to Law & Order SVU's kind of history and role in our culture. Well, I think I think not just Law & Order, uh, Law, I mean Law & Order SVU, but Law & Order itself, because I did not, the original Law & Order, I didn't really ever watch that when it was actually airing, I mostly watched that on 
I think TNT, they'd run it Saturday and Sunday mornings. That's how I've seen most of my Law & Order. Was from that. Not on the actual primetime airing, but just on those uh, kind of uh, basic cable uh, reruns of it. That's how I got to know the show, was through that. Daniel and I joke that it's always on when we're on the plane. If you fly JetBlue, Law & Order is just something that you can all watch, like 10 straight episodes of. Yeah. Yeah, it's because uh, they have uh, a cable or, or satellites. So the, uh, if you follow me on Twitter, you've probably seen that when we fly, uh, the gag is that they're always showing Law & Order SVU and Teen Titans Go. And I try to get a photograph <laughs> of both of them next to each other. And I think of them as the sort of like the yin and yang of daytime television, that they're always uh, it's, you know, like the it's America. It's American culture's kind of resting pattern. Yeah. Yeah, those the, are the two things that America wants all the it. time. Yeah, those are bodies that sex, orbit each but other. Sex but scary, and then uh, also uh, sex but scary and teens superheroes are, yeah, but little, but yes. little. Yeah. <laughs> well, okay. So why, why do you think that it has lasted so long? I mean, apart from whatever financial things with NBC and whatever and the ratings and whatnot. Why do you think that it was able to outlast the other versions of the show, or even like the main show in this huge, huge kind of entertainment cottage industry that NBC had for such a long time? Um, I think Law and Order is boring, and I think uh, there was too much competition for an eccentric detective, the kind of which they had on Law and Order Criminal Intent. That explains why I beat the other two, but yeah. why does this one? Oh, why does it last? Yeah, I mean, why has this one? Just, it's because I mean. Law and Order itself, it was like what five years ago, maybe it went away. But this one, it's it still goes and goes and goes, which is just amazing to me because I I never watched it and I never watched an entire episode until the two that I watched this weekend uh, in preparation for this. Hey, you're welcome. Oh, say yes, yes. By the way, thank you. Yes, I forgot that part. I forgot to thank you for recommending. I watched two of the Real three. Fingers. I watched two and I was okay, but yeah. Okay. Well, I, yeah, we are really talking about to the run formula out of these stories, much, right? right? I'm sorry, you go ahead. No, not yeah. at all. We haven't really talked about the, that's, and that's true too. They'll never run out of stories no. because they're reflective often of the headlines. Exactly. We were talking before this episode about how we can't wait for them to do a Johnny Depp Amber Heard one. That's going to be weird and interesting. And yeah. the cast is revolving. So we haven't talked about really like the structure of the show. I think the structure of the show is one of the secrets to its longevity, uh, which is the two really big things. Um, it's written in such a way, and this was described to me once, I think in a classroom environment, that if you start watching after any commercial break, they will catch you up. Or if you are doing the dishes while you're watching, uh, then uh, they will explain to you what you missed. So that's thing one. Thing two with Law and Order SVU is that oftentimes they will abandon whatever happened in the previous. Oh, entirely. Yeah. Entirely, and that's it. Will just be it. Will just be this. Uh, you always, Jennifer always calls it an exquisite corpse. It is. Yes, I think there is an exquisite corpse element. Um, if you uh, grew up going to summer camp, there was this game that we used to play where somebody would write like three sentences of a story, then fold the page over. You could see the last sentence, but not any of their other sentences. And the next person had to carry it on. And at the end, you get this really, really weird story. Right. And that's how you get from, a, you know, a real one is, um, uh, what was it? A trans author murdered, turns out to be... Is that the Wallace Shawn one? That's the Wallace Shawn one. Wallace and it turns Shawn out wait, to be... wait, wait. There's a Wallace Shawn one? 
Oh, yeah. There's a Wallace Shawn Judd Hirsch Brothers episode. It's amazing. Wait, 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 wait. Hold on. You had me sold with Wallace Shawn. Then you pile Judd Hirsch on it, but it, it involves somehow a trans author? What? Right, it yeah. starts it... with the first act, the cold open, uh-huh. is um, a, uh, a young, I think it's a trans woman or it's someone who is maybe passing. Mm-hmm. Um, there's sort of a, a trans panic murder, but she's an author. She's mm-hmm. like a phenom author, but she's uh, very uh, like uh, anonymous kind of. Yeah. And it turns out that her books are being improbably written by this old Jewish by man. Wallace Shawn, by Wallace Shawn, who lives with his Shawn. brother. And it turned out they murdered their mother as and well. Their mom is in the freezer and the house. <laughs> and uh, this, and it's based on, very loosely, um, a real uh, couple of brothers who had this like mansion in Harlem, I yeah. think, in like the, the turn of the century. So it's torn from the headlines, but not recent headlines. Nice. And it's extraordinary. And it's just, it's not... It's not a story. It's a play, really. It's in the in the instance of this episode. It's it's a play because it's mostly just these two older character actors. But Law and Order, uh, and I think the the third like tentpole of of its longevity is that Law and Order is largely not about its own characters. <gasps> That's right. We so talk about that never, all the time. It's he, not like all the friends get married and yeah. have babies and you're out of friends stories. They kind of just they kind of just come and go. Oh yeah, and they they do the formula again about a new crazy crime. Um, there's one whose name we can never remember, and we just call her Beverly, and it doesn't matter. That's right, the blonde, the blonde one. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. I love I love the one where she does DMT. <laughs> oh, that one's nuts. I think that one's wrong on a lot of levels. The most major one of which is I don't think people want to give you free drugs, but right, yeah. So. I mean, that's that's also something that we're kind of circling is that law and order is not while it is while it aspires to be humanist about its victims. It is not an accurate portrayal of, of the world. Well, OK, I think that's what makes it tolerable. Uh, we have a friend whose dad was a police officer who I, I remember saying found out very young that it's not like television. If a woman is dead, the husband did it. If a kid's dead, the mother did it. If a man's dead. Probably the business partner. Yeah. It's really simple. The fact that there are so many improbable and utterly insane twists to Law & Order makes it a tolerable show to watch. If it didn't seem a little bit wacky, I don't think I could watch something where a woman gets assaulted uh, on a regular basis. That's one of the reasons I haven't watched over the years. Cause I, I, it, it, it's watching people have to go through and talk about the, the, the horrible traumas they've had. And I didn't feel like I ever wanted to watch that uh, for entertainment. And and watching the couple that I did watch, I'm like, oh, oh, gosh, they've got to describe what happened. They actually talk about what happened to them and everything that's going on. And I'm wondering, what what is the thing that... And actually, you did cover that, actually, uh, when we first started talking about this, the fact that it actually portrays a world where, yeah, you, you should listen to folks when they say these things actually happen to them. But I'm wondering what still keeps you coming back uh, episode after episode uh, to see this and to hear these people go through these things. I mean, personally, I find it very satisfying when they get justice for women because that doesn't happen very often in the real world. Harvey Weinstein, 100 women had to come forward. On Law & Order, it seems like one woman comes forward and, you know, as often as not, 
they they meet out justice at the end and it feels good yeah there's definitely a catharsis mm-hmm. i think there's also novelty because at this point um i think in order to sustain the show they have to be in on the gag oh yeah a little bit and if you if you watch the ads for law and order svu they're also really revealing <laughs> because the ads kind of tip the hand about the real stories that they're drawing from a lot of the time, which, you know, they're always like legally distant from. So in the Ian McShane, Harvey Weinstein uh, episode, or the, you said there was an Anna Wintour uh, related episode. Oh no, that's oh, no, it was Terry Richardson. <laughs> yeah. So, Oh jeez. Oh God. I can't imagine they did that. Oh no. Yeah. Oh, was... oh. See, but... I don't want to see that. I don't want to see them do some of that creep. I think that's a healthy attitude. Yeah, but those never brought to justice in real life. Like, we all know that Harvey's going to go to, like, a white-collar prison at most. Probably he's going to get house arrest. Yeah. In Law & Order, they actually go to jail. So it's a miracle. You taught me the, the Anna Wintour Devil Wears Prada rule, which is if you say the name of the person... That means they, they exist in your you. fictional they universe. They exist in that universe. So you are not talking about in them. In the Ian McShane episode, yeah. it's like, well, he's not playing Harvey Weinstein because a detective will say something like, it's, it's Harvey just like Weinstein Harvey Weinstein all over, all over again. again. So the ads do a really efficient job of kind of like winking at you about like, hey, we're doing we're doing Trump, you know. Oh, they canceled the Trump. Well, that episode. one never aired. That yeah. one kills me. That one's that um, one's in the vaults with probably the David not Clown's the worst. They did one about Donald Trump, and then um, it was the mayor of New York City was uh, had a lot of sexual uh, assault. Yeah, and there was a tape recording of him. Uh, Gosh, they would never be able to do that one again. I know, I know. And then he won, and they had to cancel. They shelved it. it. Yeah. There's always going to be powerful well, politicians. That's another thing that keeps off. it going. They're never going to be a shortage of these stories. Right. There's always going to be another insane story that I want to see Law and Order's take on. Right. And because we know that they are, I think, providing the catharsis you described, but also mm-hmm. providing the the sort of novelty of how twisty and turny and uh, arbitrarily strange their stories can get. There's, uh, it's renewable every time i mean it's it's comfort food but uh it also i think transcends the formula a little bit with like weird surprises and stuff yes but i mean again i want to get to the innate morality of law and order svu um because as a dumb teenager with you know a midwestern sex education background where um my gym teacher yelled that the two ladies next to him were lesbians, but he had been cool about it and asked them to take care of his dog because lesbians like doing that. (laughs) Um, So let's suppose you were coming at this from a standpoint where you didn't have a great sex education. Law and Order taught me that sex workers can get raped. Like there are a hundred episodes of where a stripper gets attacked and she has to say, nobody's going to believe me. I'm a stripper. And the detectives always say, that doesn't matter. You never deserve to get assaulted. It taught me that there kind of is hopefully justice, that people will be on your side and believe you. Uh, The real world has shown me that that is not the case for many women, but it's, uh, it's a better view to have on things. Yeah, I think I think you're right. I think that core of that core of nobility mm-hmm. is There's sort of always the thing a time where, it. like, as many times as not, one of the women says, "I was drinking," and they have to say, "Doesn't matter, not important." 
you can still you can still be assaulted even if you're drunk. It's fine. All of the reasons that women don't come forward are addressed really sympathetically and really kindly in Law and Order SVU. Which is probably because even just looking at uh, right now the um, uh, the Wikipedia page for it, like the showrunners have just been guys pretty much up and down the line. I don't know how much uh, how much do you know about uh, the behind the scenes stuff. Like uh, about these folks who run the show, and how much, how cognizant of this, how how aware they are of this, like how much they want to actually uh, get that message out there, and that they're actually very smart about this. Well, they have a really diverse writers' room now. Yeah, uh, and that's a very that's a recent thing. They've been kind of because with social media, um, they have a writers' room. Twitter, they post photographs. Um, I've heard anecdotal stories that uh, a lot of the people there are kind of uh, old hands uh, who want to explain sexual assaults <laughs> to people who maybe have different lived experiences than they do. Um, which you know, that's that's. TV writing, unfortunately, and that's certainly to be expected. Um, and yeah. the show's been on for you know twenty years, so you have to figure that there's there's people there who just kind of like turn on the Law and Order machine and they crank out an episode. Yeah, and uh, there's going to be different levels of sensitivity in the writers' room depending on age and experience. But yeah, to be honest, I mean, I don't know that much behind the scenes. I don't even really know most of the characters' names. Yeah. I, it's it's a it's like watching the Weather Channel. It just kind of happens. happens yeah. There's a new one now. There's ice. She's good. There's ice I tea. like the new one. There's uh, there's ice tea. There's the 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 very new guy who. Well, the, the, oh, I'm know, talking about the new girl. The, the new cool girl. girl. Uh, yeah, because she came on as like a vice cop. Yeah. And she was young and attractive, and the idea. Oh, so I had her do I I the one episode I saw. Uh, she was doing the undercover thing on the um. Uh, the Harvey Weinstein Ian. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. Yes. She is a regular now. Yeah. It, every every episode of Law and Order appears to have the potential to be a backdoor pilot. <laughs> yes, which is interesting. Yes, they're hoping like maybe we can get back into having five five shows the network again. Hopefully, I, I've never thought about it in this terms before, but it reminds me of wrestling, where every once in a while they'll bring somebody in because if. You're marathoning Law and Order, and it's the you know it's uh the guy it's a uh, uh, what's his name Raul Esperanza yeah. from a company yeah or it'll be Donald Logue for a while yeah or it'll be the the, the dirtbag boyfriend from Thirty Rock oh yeah that guy right well actually I saw he was gonna be I think um I read something about this and when Richard Belzer came on he wanted um yeah the guy from Thirty Rock Dennis from Thirty Rock um Belzer wanted him to be the partner. But he was still on Oz and wasn't able to do that. So he was on like two episodes, but he was almost going to be, it was going to be Belzer and that guy from 30 Rock as like the dudes. Yeah. No kidding. And that's ultimately wow. the Ice-T role, right? Yeah. Yeah. He ended up coming in like, yeah, little by little. We haven't even talked about yeah. <laughs> We should talk about Ice-T. Yeah. We're going to need a whole other episode. <laughs> But you can see them in, in – there's – so characters kind of come and go. They try to get people over uh, and it, it doesn't work out or they move to other shows. They get better jobs. And while they're doing that, there's almost this like what like Darwinian evolution process. When Belzer leaves, they replace him with like a Belzer type. Yes. But then yeah. that guy gets another job. Yeah. He gets replaced Look, maybe by like – circling keep circling through. Well, now the guy yeah. who replaces him isn't strictly Jewish. He's half Jewish, half Muslim, Lump. which is oh, a yeah. very network TV idea. Yeah. 
And then you end up moving the needle towards like what the cast looks like by very gradually, you know, for the, the, again, older people who've been watching for 30 years, maybe, you know, they don't, their glasses aren't so good and they, they think it's still Richard. Oh, it's the same one. Right. Cause he's kind of he's like, got a the same attitude a he's little got bit. the same energy. Yeah. yeah. So, you know, they're looking, you know, or like a building a boy band or something like we need a Belzer type. type exactly. Well, you've kind of referred to this already a couple times discussing, and also in one of the emails um, leading up to doing the show, about the audience, by and large, uh, being afraid of certain things, being afraid of young people, young culture. It seems like you're definitely aware of that, that the show kind of goes towards those folks, and I'm wondering in what ways uh, does it, and how do you folks, watching it as uh, younger than maybe most of the target audience, how do you kind of see that? I think it addresses that in a way where usually the vulnerable people in Law and Order SVU are the good guys. Um, usually if there's like a Muslim transgender person who has been attacked, you're supposed to be on his side because all of your friends are on his side because Liv and the rest of the gang whose names I cannot fully remember. <laughs> Liv and the gang. Living, living the boys. Yeah. Um, they're all on his side. I don't think there's ever been a TV show that I've watched this much of without knowing the principal cast's names. It is unfortunate. See, that's odd. That's it. Why do you think that is? Like, why do you think that is the case? It's ultimately not necessary. Sorry. I mean, I've compared it to a lot of things. Uh, I, I think you could also compare it to sports, uh, the way that. That it's just sort of like a little group of people and yeah, kind of working towards a goal yeah. together. Because <laughs> the formula is the main character. Um, but yeah, I, I agree with Jennifer. I think that it is well-meaning, well-meaning writers uh, who are, you know, probably like Gen X aged mm -hmm. for the most part, if I had to guess. Yeah. Who are aware that their audience is a little older and sending really positive messages about the the substance of of law and order SVU, which is the sex crimes and and believing victims, but at the same time there is an undercurrent of being very afraid of millennials, of technology. All of the we haven't talked about this yet. All of the websites on law and order SVU are very very crazy. I, I've seen that. I've seen that at like um. I've not watched the show, but I've seen that over the years. Is that being kind of like a, a recurring internet joke? Like the weird, the weird, horrible, evil websites that are out there that they go to once in a while, like uh, Face Page or something like that. And yeah, yeah, well, Face Page will murder you. Yeah, <laughs> um, there's a lot of website panic. It's more like a ten years ago on Law and Order thing, yeah, where everything is the dark web, right. and there's just definitely a man on Facebook who's gonna try hunt you down and hunt your mom down. But you are in the you are in the timeless Law and Order blob because you're watching them on marathons and they're not exactly. necessarily in order. I mean, it's funny. It's been on so long that none of the episodes that I recommended to you have Christopher Maloney in them. That's right. Yeah. Well, that's the thing. Like, uh, when we were going to watch that this weekend, Laura thought, like, he was still on it. Because, I mean, why wouldn't? Because it's that blob thing where, like, this show, you assume it's been on for, like, maybe 10 years? Like, no, two decades. And he's been gone since, like, what, season 9, season 10, something like that? So He was there no, for ages, yeah. and he was gone for ages. It's like a full decade, probably, or so, that that guy has not been on the show. And originally, that's what I knew him from being on that show, seeing him in ads for the for the show. And then it, later on, you're like, oh, okay, What Hot American Summer, stuff like that. Like, oh, okay, he's actually 
funnier than I thought, but I always associated him with this, even though I had never seen him in this. It was very strange, and I still do, to a certain weird extent. Yeah, the, the I, scope of this thing is extraordinary. Yeah. <laughs> I think in the Christopher Maloney days, there was more emphasis on knowing the main character's backstories, that you were supposed to know a lot about his daughter, who I think was bipolar, and... Frankly, I just always thought it was a distraction from whatever the main story was. I think I think you're right. And that gets to something that um, uh, we emailed about in preparation for this, which is I think the show's worst impulse um, is when it tries to be a real TV show. Uh, whenever they get into their own mythology, mm-hmm. suddenly the people who have been watching, like me, the people who watch via the marathons have to remember that these people have like families and enemies and stuff. And it's um, no, you get one thing. You get one thing. Liv has one. baby Benson. She adopted a baby. But she also Rollins has... is a compulsive gambler. Um, oh, I forgot about that. Yeah. Um, That's the Beth, other right? one. That's maybe the they'll get to have a thing later. Yeah. Everybody eventually earns their their one thing. You get one thing. thing. <laughs> but uh, but we were watching the one where um, uh, what was it? Bosch showed up. Yeah. The the Titus Titus Welliver, I think the actor's name is the guy. Yeah. From Lost. And he came on and it was very clear that this was some kind of sideshow Bob thing. Like from the context of the show, I was able to uh, glean that this was like a recurring villain who there was history and he'd been gone for a long time. But I don't get the I don't get the satisfying formula and the neat little the neat little story from the, these mythology episodes because I haven't been watching the show for, yeah. you know sequentially yeah. for 20 it's not you I, know it's not Buffy I don't watch it no like I'm not Buffy. watching it for my friends the gang I know all of the characters in Buffy's name right uh, right I watch it to see a baseball player whose name I don't need to know and his wife whose name that I don't need to know frame their au pair <laughs> yes whose I don't need to know and it turns out that they had seven more au pairs trapped in the floorboards right uh, and James Vanderbeek an is there episode. Yes. Is there a real one? Yeah, there's a real one. So there's enough he of locks these. Her in, he locks her in the floorboards. Enough of these that I stumbled onto. <laughs> stumbled onto a real one. Because, yeah, I think like like uh, all the stuff I've been comparing it to, like sports and wrestling and the Weather Channel, you can engage with it on different levels uh, depending on how uh, initiated you are. But every episode of Law & Order SVU could probably be somebody's first without it oh, being – Oh, yeah, for sure. Without yeah. it being – really much of a detraction from the experience. Yeah, it will... The barrier to entry is super low, I guess is what I'm saying. I feel like it's also an internet joke that Ice-T is tasked with explaining everything. Oh, yes. Different kind of drugs that people are on, kids are on. Different. I think yes. there was a Twitter account for that a couple years back. Yes. There is. Yeah. 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 And uh, what's his name? Uh, John Mulaney uh, cracked it in one of his uh, stand-up specials that uh, Ice-T... It's the sort of audience avatar character, which is and, and it's just it's just fascinating to step back from a second and be like, that's Ice T, you know, like from Ice T. Yeah. And I think one of the episodes I sent you opens with um Ice T's uh son and the son's husband with the baby they'd adopted. Yeah, and it's his birthday. It's Ice T's birthday, and he's very surprised by a cake. That's right. <laughs> Which I never thought I'd see Ice T surprised by a cake on a criminal procedural TV show on network television. He's surprised by a lot. His a lot two, or his two, uh, his his married son and son-in-law, and their adopted baby, to whom Ice T is the grandfather. Yeah. 
And one thing that one thing that I'm especially obsessed with in that particular episode is that it is intercut with people partying at a nightclub. Yes, the same, even though it's middle of the afternoon. Yes. Yeah. Is it? Nobody knows. Nobody, knows. Nobody ever knows. <laughs> is the baby at a midnight birthday party for, <laughs> for their grandfather at the office? <laughs> well, okay. I that that's a question I had too about um, the just the two I saw. Just as a basic uh, storytelling uh, construction level of a television show thing, there were things that were a little flawed. <laughs> yeah. Like, for instance, that episode, uh, that same episode, they somehow managed to get a, uh, a murder trial together within three days with a jury and everything. Which, like, oh, okay, well, that's even for Law & Order, that's kind of quick, but all right, sure. But I wonder, like, how much of this when you folks watch this and enjoy it is in spite of it not being a particularly good TV show, but more just being surprised and wanting to go with the journey. Like, where's this going? I don't know. Let's all right. Oh, they're doing this now. Okay. That, that's, that's nutty, but let's just go with it or the excitement of seeing where the heck this thing is going to go. No, I think, I think that's it. I think I'm in it for the weirdness. Yeah. I think that it has coalesced into this really sort of post-ironic thing where uh, I they know their formula and I am on board and they're gonna they're gonna try to they're gonna try to surprise and and confuse me every week now. Yes. And I know that there are gripping, accurate, wonderful depictions of assault on Netflix right now that I could be watching. But they are huge bummers. And Law and Order is so weird that it is a consistently enjoyable roller coaster ride for me that usually ends with some form of justice being served. Yeah, it's simultaneously incredibly familiar and from another dimension. Mention, yeah. Well, what's interesting to me that it seems like though it's actually trying to get uh, something helpful and useful uh, to the culture and also to people who may not think about this sort of thing. Uh, the consequences of these terrible things that go on, but then putting it in this package. Yes, it's a lot of sugar that is getting that spoonful of medicine down. Yeah. I mean, look, if it helps one granddad in Nevada understand that his daughter's having a hard time right now because she got assaulted in college, it did its job. That's amazing. You are picking very interesting states where you think that the Republic. <laughs> So far, That's okay. I've got no listeners in any of those states, so we're fine. No one's going to be offended. Nevada and Arizona so far are the ones that Jennifer and I have decided really need a lesson about how we, how we do things here in New York City. You skipped the Midwest, because usually people pick the Midwest. Like, oh, Kansas. That's why I noticed. Yeah. All right, you are past most of flyover country. Chicago. I assume that the people in Chicago are helping get the word out. Sure. Well, I don't know. Yeah. They've maybe got... maybe they're covering that on Chicago Fire and Chicago PD. I don't know. I don't watch those shows. They could be covering those things there. I don't know. Uh, this uh, oh. gets us to something that I don't fully understand, which is Dick Wolf's involvement or lack thereof. And I don't know if this affects longevity of Law & Order SVU. But I know that, that in the intervening time, Dick Wolf has uh, created like another television empire. And I don't know 
I, I would have to do like a much like a much deeper dive, which is something I'm not interested in doing with Law and Order SVU. I think I have the perfect relationship with it. It's not something where I, would, I don't want to listen to like directors' commentaries. Oh, I would kill to listen to like a writer director commentary on why they made the choices to have the clowns you in go, the car you at go the beginning. Deep. I want to know if it's just like so. It was Sally's birthday, and she was like, I'd like to do something with clowns. And she's been asking for a while. So we said, all right, murder clowns. Let's do 10 well, minutes that on was, that. Well, uh, that was in 2018 when there were a lot of clowns in the news. Oh, shit, that's right. And I then the clown wave. Yeah. So that's something when you watch the marathons that um, I'm not necessarily cognizant of is whether or not something was topical at that time. But because that episode in particular starts with killer clowns but ends up being about something else entirely, I, I do think that it reveals the writer's room a little bit where it's like somebody probably wrote clowns on a whiteboard and they couldn't. Or, you know, the, the episode was like the script was well underway and they and the clowns thing hits. Uh, we need a we need a way into this. Okay. Uh, well, we were working on the clown thing for another episode. Just put it in this. We can we can we can include it in there, and it'll be fine. And yeah, there we go. Yeah, that's certainly how it feels. And then the episode is called "Send in the Clowns," and it ultimately ended up. Which that didn't. Okay. Yeah. But yes. All right. But that's also a musical song. But and her dad was her music teacher who was having sex with her. Right. But that is a real reach. <laughs> that's a that's a little bit of a stretch. Yeah. It's. Uh, perpetually unclear to me how this show is made or by whom. I am fascinated by whatever their writer's room is like, because I think it's a writer's room where there are no bad ideas. So you want to, so you want to go, you want to go deep. I want to have the, like a, like a safe distance. Yeah. I think the worst ones are the ones where they try to go for the Emmy. There's always like one law and order SVU every season where it's just like, them talking to someone who has taken them hostage for the entire yeah. episode. Yeah, yeah, they're yeah, it's a very, very special, special episode. episodes. Yeah. yeah, and those are the ones. They're often two parters, and they kind of aim really high. And I don't think that I don't think that uh, anybody necessarily, you know, it's 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 like fast food. No one necessarily wants them to be that ambitious, and I don't really think it works when they try. Well, look, I. I think it's a really, really fun show. I don't think it's a nuanced show. <laughs> you laugh, but that's a good way to put it, actually. And it doesn't need to be. Yeah, no, I no, mean, no, for the purpose of it, it. Yeah, no. to be something that's uh, first and foremost entertaining, and apparently has been to last for 21 years and profitable, but then also uh, just really, you have like, what, 44 minutes of television to get this message, the story across to actually get this message out week in, week out. You don't need the nuance. You don't have time for the nuance. Cause I mean, the original law and order didn't have that. You had 20 minutes uh, for the cops to do their thing at the front, 20 minutes uh, for Sam Watterson to do all the court stuff at the back. It was even less so than this one too, where it just had to be very blunt, move things along. You have a little bit more in this one, but yeah, yeah there's not a lot of time to actually just kind of, look into every single bit of it. It's got to be entertaining, but still, it seems like they definitely have uh, some sort of uh, motivation to get the message out there. Like, hey, this is... Think about this stuff. Don't... don't. This should not be going on. Yeah, no one's really asking it to be The Wire. Like, I was yeah. shocked when I started watching that and realized that it was about a 
police procedure unfolding in roughly real time. I didn't know that that was an option on television at that point because I had grown up on broadcast procedurals Mm -hmm. where you catch the bad guy at the end and uh, everybody kind of uh, you say something quippy and look at each other and it fades to black. Yeah. Well, even to kind of relate it to this, uh, Homicide, uh, comparing that uh, with Richard Belzer, you know, making that connection to this, that was also a much slower and sort of like a more low key, but yeah, I don't know. It, it's, it's weird, which is again, the Belzer thing. It's still weird to me. He was on the show as the same character. And it's just, that's still incredible to me that that happened for such a long time. It's fascinating because the Belzer thing has turned into a much bigger gag. Oh yeah, it's, he's on Thirty Rock for an episode. Right, Arrested Development, X Files, yeah. right, and it's all and it's all in the according to um, uh, Dwayne McDuffie, it's all in the snow globe in Saint yeah. Square. Oh, I thought he was separate from the Tommy Westfall thing. He's actually in that. Oh no. Yeah, it's it's uh, he's his own. The Belzer, uh, the Munchverse is its own thing, <laughs> and then the Munchverse is compatible. Uh, with the with the Saint Elsewhere Snow Globe, uh, since it has become this big giant uh, universe, uh, I, I think you're right. I think it's really interesting to look at the first time that it happened and how weird that is, because that's like that's like Elf being on another show. Like that's like oh yeah, a little bit. You're right. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. Going from going from some going from something as serious as Homicide to a very different lens in uh, law and order is is a dramatic change for the same character it's it's what like what like baywatch nights right it's like david hasselhoff yeah, is exactly. a life yeah david hasselhoff is a lifeguard and then but later, he's also fighting vampires he's fighting vampires and werewolves. just a block away from the beach yes yeah. yeah so the fact that we all got in on the belzer joke now it feels like that was always how it was going to work and it was inherently funny that Belzer would be on like Arrested Developments, but if you look at the first time it happened, it's a really weird choice. Well, and also the fact that uh, the guy, I think, um, the way it went was Belzer saw like, oh, hey, they're doing this new show, and pitched himself, and they had to work it out with like uh, the guys who actually had created the character for Homicide, and the agreement was, well, I, they they actually get a little bit of a cut whenever he was on something, so. The folks that did Homicide, I think, actually got a little bit of dough every time uh, he was on the program, too, which is great. That's extraordinary. That's extraordinary. <laughs> and, and just. Because it's like, oh, it, it's one of the uh, lasting characters of American literature and popular culture. John Munch. Yes, of course, that's going to go on. People are going to make money off of John Munch for decades and decades. Yeah, it's yeah. really interesting. There's no, uh, you know, merchandise or like, uh, weird, you know, right? there should be much right. merchandise. Like a, you know, a like a little bobbleheaded SpongeBob or, or sure. yeah. I'm sure there's Funko Pops because oh, it's Funko just, Pops of yeah, everything. everything. But uh, yeah, it's it's a it's a phenomenon that if it has been repeated, I mean, certainly in like 60s, 70s, 80s, there's all these really fun spin-off chains. Uh, like the Norman Lear stuff uh, or the, the kind of happy days, Mork and Mindy, Laverne and Shirley stuff. But I don't, I can't think of another example of a fictional character uh, popping up as, as a, as a novelty, as a cameo in, uh, in other things. And also just being a fixture in two different long running television series. 
that were totally very different from each other. I didn't realize I'm looking at his character up now. He was actually in an episode of The Wire. Wow. Munch was in an episode of The Wire? Wow. I had no idea. Oh my god, yeah, he was an episode of, he was in two episodes of 30 Rock, but he was an episode of The Wire called Took, the character was. Sure. That's just yeah. nuts. Okay. All right. Anyway. Incredible. Yeah. Because, because why not? You know, it's fun. It's fun for the yeah. writers, it's fun for the audience. Yeah, and uh, in his last in his last SVU appearance, there's a really nice flashback to him answering the phone uh, in uh, a very early Law and Order or possibly yeah. Homicide. Yeah, maybe. Uh, yeah, in Munch's I'm sorry, in Belzer's last <laughs> last episode of SVU, uh, he gets a nice send off, and they have him accidentally answering the phone as being part of the Homicide Department or something. Mm-hmm. Like he's, you know, he's at his desk and it's late at night and he's just, uh, his phone rings and he absentmindedly answers it uh, the way that he, he used, used to. to. Yeah. And I, I think that there's, I think it's accompanied by footage. I think it's accompanied by some uh, archival footage of him on an older show. And then some archival footage of him at the comedy store in 1977. And it's, yeah. Anyway. Yeah. Sure. <laughs> yeah. Writing, writing books about UFOs. Yeah. Right. Yes. So uh, th- this program, I I was wondering going leading up to this if the, and it it's not at all an ironic sort of like ha ah, this is a goofy weird show for you folks this is like sincerely uh, you enjoy this program you enjoy watching this thing week to week I will oh, you never make fun of it will, constantly. we make fun of it constantly but I will never say watching it but there's a difference though yeah there's a difference you can make fun of it but you can make fun of something that you really love and enjoy though sincerely. I think that if it is a option, if we're watching mm-hmm. television and it is an option, I am always as likely to choose Law & Order SVU as I am to choose anything else. Yeah, I would say it's it's like your weirdest friend whose heart is really in the right place. <laughs> yes. Oh, that's a good way to yes. put it. We, we just we just gotta we just gotta know. We what gotta know what to. they're up to. Yeah. <laughs> So if you were to uh, uh, put it to someone like myself who had never really seen it before. Who was kind of like, eh, if I'm gonna watch this thing, how would you sell them on this ultimately? Um, well, look, who do you want to see punished? Like, do you want to see a wealthy investment banker punished? Because they've got a hundred episodes of that. <laughs> yeah, I don't know what the. Do you want to see like a bunch of episodes where ice is bad? Because they've got those. They've been they've been going hard on ice is bad for the past few seasons. Yeah, it's really interesting. I mean, I think that that because everybody, you know, for the purposes of this thought exercise, I, I assume you mean someone who's kind of never heard of it. Sure, or has heard of it and is like, eh, I don't know if I want to see it or not. I guess. Yeah, you'd, you'd sort of just have to say it's this really crazy police procedural that has its heart in the right place but does not take place in the real world and is going to be endlessly fascinating. Um, I'm reminded of when uh, a friend of mine was trying to get me to join uh, Tumblr like 15 years ago. And I said, well, what, like, what is it? I don't understand what it is. Is it like a blog? And he said, just start using it. (laughs) And it, it teaches you, it teaches you how to use it. You know, social media makes itself a part of your life in a very video gamey kind of, uh, tutorial way. I think law and order, because it is so formulaic and because any episode could be somebody's first, I don't have a recommendation for what their first episode should be. Well, I think it could be whichever really, one look, is on. I, I would say, I don't think it is a show that would appeal to terrible people. I, I think if you have a friend 
who's like, broads make up rape a lot, don't they? They're not going to enjoy Law and Order SVU because that is that is not the side that the show is on. Yeah, I mean, if you're using it, like you were saying earlier, if you're using it to come at people who uh, are, are in need of education about those values, then yeah, it's network TV and it's just kind of on and it sneaks up on them and hopefully they learn a lesson. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, I think they have to be in an okay place emotionally to start learning those lessons. Like they have to understand the rules of television that you're supposed to sympathize with the victim. Yeah. You're not supposed to watch those investment banker episodes and be like, oh, I love that strong man. I hope he gets away with it. But but but, but TV and movies in general are very good at, at getting you at to empathize showing with you the, what side you should be especially on. Especially like very yeah. accessible TV. Like the, there's music when the bad guy is on the street. <laughs> so, you know, yeah. so, you know, you know, ideally you have been trained with Western media to watch that and not think like, ah, oh, that's. That's the guy I identify with, the guy who has scary music playing underneath him, <laughs> being led away in handcuffs. So, you know, even if you're not inclined that way, the show is so popular that surely there are people with very conservative values who would probably say terrible things on Twitter, but are watching Law & Order SVU every week and at least are along for the ride. I mean, I, I hope so. Um, I, I feel like Law & Order SVU can lean a little liberal. Um, in, in a way that I find reassuring, like one of the main characters right now is half Muslim, half Jewish. Uh, the other one is a young Latina woman. Um, the other one is a two, there are two single mothers on Law and Order SVU Oh, that's right. right yeah. Now. yeah. There are, which is a very Law and Order SVU thing. Yeah. And Ice-T has, um, a gay black son who is married to a lovely man, and apparently they have a grandchildren now who parties at midnight. Who parties at midnight. Yeah, I, I think it has kind of very interesting progressive values that are articulated in the most insane way possible. Yeah, insane, but also very accessible. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, it's it's an anomaly. I, I, I guess I don't know how to pitch it other than to s tell people to start watching it at any at any given point. Yeah, in there America. are like a thousand episodes of this. There's going to be one you like. Yeah. Fly Jet Blue. That's what I would say. Fly Jet Blue. Give it a try. <laughs> After we recorded this conversation, Ice-T enthusiastically posted to Twitter that the show had been picked up for three more years, taking it through a stunning season 24. Also... Harvey Weinstein was sentenced to 23 years in prison, so that's something. I want to thank Jennifer and Daniel for being on the podcast. Uh, they have a lot of writerly irons in the fire these days. Books, comics, uh, many other projects. In fact, Jennifer even wrote a book a couple years back about pandemics and plagues throughout history called Get Well Soon that you may want to check out in this current time. And if you want to catch up on their latest work, follow them on Twitter. Jennifer is at Jen Ashley Wright, J-E-N-A-S-H-L-E-Y. W-R-I-G-H-T, and Daniel is at Kibblesmith, K-I-B-B-L-E-S-M-I-T-H. Now, did you like what you heard here? Would you like to hear other episodes? It's simple. You can subscribe to the Enthusiast Club on your favorite podcast app or visit enthusiastsclub.net. You can also follow us on Twitter and Instagram at Enthusiast Club. Thank you for listening. Please stay safe and healthy out there. Mm -hmm.